Wow, thank you. We want to continue to be dynamic in the things of God. That is, that we're not static. We're not in some uh, leveled off place where we stay, but we, move, we are moved by the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. I want to continue to preach uh, a bit and teach, preaching, teaching a little bit uh, on the church. We're still on the, uh, our theme, the church, because we want you to know who you are in Jesus Christ, who and what Jesus Christ has made you to be. Uh, tonight, I'm going to share a, a message in that series, Glory That Excels. Glory that excels or glory that exceeds goes beyond. And this is what we, we're going to talk about. And in this uh, message today, tonight, we're talking about a contrast between the old and the new, the, the old covenant and the new covenant. There's a huge contrast. And I know that there are brothers and, and sisters who desire to go back to the old because they see uh, vestiges of glory there. But I want you to know that that, that whole system was abrogated. Uh, it was done away with because of the coming of Jesus. So we're going to look at that. And I do know that there's some who would disagree at first glance, but just sit back and trust. Whenever you're, you're flying around the world, as we've flown around the world so, so many times, uh, there are times, almost every time, you will uh, in, encounter turbulence and the plane will start to shake and, and, and bounce around in the air and the pilot will come on, and, on the speaker intercom and say to us, uh, uh, buckle up, we're going through a little turbulence, uh, buckle your seat belt, don't walk around, uh, you know, as it were, stay in your seats, and we're going to get through this. And I want to get through this tonight with you. Uh, don't get up because you may disagree at first glance. Paul, in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I will just su summarize uh, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll get into our text for tonight, uh, beginning in verse 7. But Paul contrasts by saying to the uh, Corinthians and also to us, you are an epistle of Christ, a letter of Christ, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, he says. Uh, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. That is, uh, God speaks and works with the heart, the human heart. And uh, he shows us that we have trust through Christ toward God. So then our trust is toward God, and we get there by our confidence in Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus has spoken to us, everything that Jesus uh, is to us, has done for us, we have now confidence that, that the, the Lord who saved us, who has removed the guilt from us, although the enemy from time to time attacks us with guilt concerning our past, we always get through it because of of the veracity of the truthfulness of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done. And Paul goes on to say that it is not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think uh, of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So we have the sufficiency, we have, we have the equipment, we have the endowment of the Holy Spirit to get us through whatever happens. So Paul says that God who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. 
for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so Paul is talking about and contrasting two covenants here, and we'll get into that. So the written code of commandments in the Old Testament was to fleshly beings, not spirit-filled believers uh, or beings, but through fleshly beings. And uh, and so that kills, or that was a a ministry of condemnation, but you and I now live in the economy of the Spirit. You've heard a lot of talk recently about let's get uh, back uh, to work, let's leave our homes and get and, and revive our economy because the idea is that we live because of the economy. Now I'm saying that I believe that the economy is important, but we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So as a believer, yes, the economy is important, but we don't have to risk life or limb for an economy that may be there, but we're gone. So, so this is, uh, I think, a, an appropriate time to deal with these things. Uh, look, let's look at Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, but as you find that, I want to say again that we live in the economy of the Spirit. The economy of the Spirit is a lot greater than the economy of fleshly commandments, dealing with people, speaking condemnation to people who could not carry out the command. They could not carry out the command. It's, it's not that they were only unwilling. Certainly some of them were unwilling, but they were also unable. They were unwilling and unable. The code or the command came to show man that what God requires, it is an impossibility for us to do it because we need something from God to do what God wants and what God commands. And that is the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ. It's amazingly beautiful. Let's go on to read what the apostle is saying. He says, but if the ministry of death, and he calls the, the old covenant, the, 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 the written code, the, the commandments, uh, the requirements, a ministry of death. Yes, it, because there was no way that you and I could do it. It had to do with death. It had to do with fleshly men. He says, this ministry of death was written and engraved on stones. Now, he's giving us an, an understanding, and we have this great uh, dichotomy, uh, th this great division between the uh, flesh and the spirit. And those of us who are trying to please God in the flesh, we will never, ever be able able to. Were we to live a trillion years of being perfect from this moment on, we would not have pleased God. Because what would have happened about those sins before we started to act right? Because they have to be atoned for. So you have to understand how greater the new covenant is than the old covenant. So he, so he speaks of, of um, the ministry of death written, the, the commandments were written and engraved on stones, on inanimate and lifeless things. Inanimate and lifeless things. It was glorious, however. So the writer says it was glorious. It was recognized as something that came from God. All right, so this... Uh, law of fleshly commandments, that is the old covenant, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. All of that was written on, on stones and man could not do it. I do know there have been controversy lately because uh, some secular people want to take the Ten Commandments from our courthouses and we say, no, we don't want you to do that. But we do that as a matter of principle, not uh, as a matter of we need that there because now God has done something greater than 
stones, inanimate things. He has now written his law in our hearts. And that's the beauty of the church. That's, that's part of the glory of the church. What was written beforehand uh, on inanimate things is, is now made real and new by the animation of the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit giving us life. So those are not just written words. They are living words within the believer, within the church. It says, uh, so let me go ahead and read this again, and I'll read it through without the uh, comments. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, and uh, how will... How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So he says, this was passing away, but it, it bore glory. Because Moses would go up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, talk with God, and when he came down, his face was glowing from being face-to-face uh, -face with God. It was amazing. So Moses, after spending that time with God, came down and reflected God's glory. So the glory of his countenance was uh, something that came from God. His face so reflected that glory, uh, that is, that the, uh, the glory of God, that the children of Israel could not bear to look at its brilliance, which was diminishing glory. It was diminishing glory because it was reflected glory. I do know that sometimes we say, well, we are the reflection of the Lord. I think more than the reflection of the Lord, we, are, we radiate the Lord. God's glory now emanates from us. It comes through us. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But they could not bear to look at diminishing glory. Now, this is amazing. As we want to look at the church, uh, we want to put it in juxtaposition with the old economy, the, the economy of the flesh and the economy of the spirit. So Paul asks, how, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? So he's saying, if the, if the ministry of death had glory, now the ministry of the spirit or the spirit, the ministry of life, which is in you, the church, because you, you now have and are the house of the living God. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit live in you as the church. And so that itself is glory, that, that God would live in human beings. We know according to the scripture that the Most High does not live in temples made with hands. Yes, we have these places that keep us cool, that keep us out of the rain, but the Most High God lives in the church. Jesus lives in the church. When Jesus came to live in us by the Holy Spirit, the Father accompanied Jesus. And look at it, your, your Bible, John chapter 14, verse 21, 22, 23, and you'll see the beauty of all of that. So Paul says, uh, for if the ministry of condemnation, so he calls what some believers want to go back to, he calls it a ministry of condemnation because that whole economy was condemned. It proved that what God required of us, we were always unable to do. We were unable to do it uh, with, without law, 
and we were unable to do it with law. We were unable to do it without covenant, and we were unable to do it with covenant. So man, whether he was Jew or Gentile, was proven to be, uh, as it were, was placed all under sin that God might have mercy on everybody. And so the church is a glorious picture of the mercy of God. God not giving us what we deserve, and God living in us, and his beauty shining forth through us. I, I love the Lord. Don't you love the Lord? And so Paul says, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. What Paul is saying is that the glory in the church is far greater than the glory that was in that people group that had the, the, the oracles of God. He said, yo, it was glorious. We're not saying it was not glorious. God traveling with you, that was glorious. That God walking up and down in the, your camp, that's glorious. God being a pillar of cloud over you in the day to keep you cool, like free air conditioning, that's glory. God being a pillar of, of fire over you at night to keep you warm in the cold of the desert, that's glorious. That's glorious. God talking to a man named Moses uh, on the mountain and looking at him face to face as a man with his friend, that's glorious. But Paul says to us, through the Spirit of God, he says the ministry of righteous, uh, righteousness exceeds much more in glory, super abundantly better. Wow. Because they didn't have the Spirit of God living within them, but you do. And that's why, and that's why I say to you that you and I can do what God commands. Wow. Paul goes on to say, um, uh, well, rather, the words of Jesus, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus when he says that unless our righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, we will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus tells us that we have to have more than works righteousness. As I said earlier, even if you were to be a good boy, a good girl, good man, a good woman from now on, you would never ever be righteous enough to sit and stand in the face of God. But if you receive Jesus, he, then God will give you his righteousness. For he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. So, so Christ is our righteousness because we believe in him. And so that makes the church a glorious entity, a beautiful ent entity, uh, an unmatched organism. And that's who you and I are. In, uh, in uh, verse 10, we say, for even what was made glorious had no glorious glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. So in, in 2 Corinthians here, we, we find, 2 Corinthians 3.10, we find that for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. So what Paul is saying is if you place the spirit, uh, uh, the economy of the spirit, beside the uh, economy of condemnation or, of the, or the law of fleshly commandments, they were pale in glory. It would be like uh, perhaps uh, comparing the sun to your flashlight. You know, when the sun is shining in its brilliance and you have your flashlight. Yeah, the flashlight has glory, but when it's placed beside the sun, it's like it has no glory at all. 
Wow. And this is what he's saying to us. So what we have to do is, as Pastor Jackson was praying tonight, we have to be those people who are in tune to the Holy Spirit, listening to the voice of God, and doing what he tells us to do. That's, that's what, who we are. That's what we must be. We uh, respect our leaders. We love our leaders. But what we want to do is to pray for them so that they will hear the voice of God and act accordingly because God has, God has invested himself in the church. God's voice is through the church. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But verse 11 says, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Much more glorious. So, so you, what he is showing us is that we have the glory that remains because the glory that we have is the glory of Christ within us. Uh, John says it like this, Christ within you, within us, the hope of glory. Uh, uh, Paul tells us that Christ in us is the hope of glory. John says uh, that greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. And so this is what we understand, the glory that is in the church. Now, one reason we don't tend to see glory is because we have our minds too often on earthly things. We have our minds too often on earthly things. And so culture tells us that we sh uh, just because you're saved, don't throw your head away. Well, let me tell you something. I do agree with that. But I do not, I would trust a, a, a heart that I can hardly understand that is a perfect heart over uh, an unregenerate head. So, you see, because when you and I got saved, uh, uh, you know, we have to learn how to walk in salvation. That is our soul uh, has to, is a process. The saving of our souls is a process. The saving of our spirit is instantaneous. That soul is a process. That's why you and I go through difficulties. And so just because you're going through difficulties does not mean that you're not saved. Just because you have struggles from time to time does not mean that you are not saved. Amen. So let's look at some things. In John 15, 16, Jesus tells um, his disciples, in John 15, 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Now, listen to what Jesus did. He ordained that they would bear fruit. So you are a fruit bearer and that your fruit should remain. Now, what Jesus is saying is that there's something he's doing that it will be, that is eternal and will be evidenced as eternal. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give give you. So Jesus is saying that you and I have this amazing glory that whatever we ask God the Father, God gives. And we ask through his name. Now, the fruit, what is the fruit that we're talking about that, that is in the church? Th this is a fruit that belongs to the people of God, and the people of God are the only ones on the whole planet that can produce this fruit. And, and we say, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit, and I notice it didn't say fruits, plural, but the fruit of the Spirit. That is, these things radiate and express themselves through the church. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so what we are finding here is that the church must emanate this. This fruit is who we are. It is Jesus Christ coming in, out of us, being, showing uh, itself to be. So that means we have to deal with each other. We have to get along with each other. We must, and we don't do it struggling. I have never seen a fruit tree struggle to produce fruit. 
It just, they just are, and the fruit comes. And so God is teaching us to just be, right? To just be and allow the fruit to come. That is, this is where you, all, you will find all, uh, these nine uh, 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 fruit here. Love, joy, in the church, peace, long-suffering, in the church, um, that means long-suffering has to do with your ability to go through things, to suffer long, to be able to put up with kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are found in the church, and so they must be abundant in the church, and that's glory. So you and I are a love tree. We are a peace tree. We are a long-suffering tree. We are a kindness tree, etc. That's what it looks like. Now, now, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, 9, walk as children of light for the fruit of the Spirit. Or, now listen to what he says. So, in, in, in Ephesians 5, 9, he says, walk as children of light. Now, he's not saying, try to make yourself light. He's just saying, hey, this is who you are. Be it. I always tell people, I'm Don Lavelle, so I don't have to try to be Don Lavelle. But if, if, I, if I were Michael, try to be Michael Jordan, I would fail miserably. I cannot be Michael Jordan. I cannot be LeBron. I would be a miserable LeBron James. I would be a miserable Scottie Pippen. No, but I am a Don Lavelle, and I'm a first-class Don Lavelle. You're a first-class believer, whoever you are. Walk as children of light for the fruit of, of light. Now listen, you are light in the Lord. So the fruit of light is all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So that's what we must see in the church. And I say when we come back from this COVID-19 um, a sabbatical or whatever we're going to call it, we, we, when we come back, we want to come back being, walking out who we are. Walking out who we are. And he tells us, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And what he is saying is not to go around with your mouth tattletelling, you know, telling on people, telling secrets. No, that's not what he's saying. He is saying that because you are light in the Lord, darkness must flee. Darkness cannot uh, accompany you. They, they, you can't be buddies because light exposes. And you, you should just, because you're there, you should expose ungodliness. I would say that there are many of us in this audience today, uh, you have been on your job and you have, you have um, been a light and you've exposed things. That is, people say, well, I feel bad when you're around me. I feel like I can't be myself. I can't say what I want to say. It's not because you are inhibiting them. It's because you're a light in the Lord. And so I, I want you to know that this is glory that excels. When, whenever you are producing, as it were, Christ rather through you is producing love, peace, joy, long-suffering, or patience uh, on all of these amazing attributes, that means that God gets glory in you. If you've heard this message today and, and you, uh, you would say, well, Pastor Don, I'm, I, I, I don't know about that. I'm not saved. I've, I've not given myself to God to that degree. I want to be saved. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I want to be a child of God. Then you can be. You can be right now, wherever you are. If you're in your car, you can be. If you're listening rather than watching, you can be that right now by stopping and saying, you ought to pull over the side of the road if you're driving and just say, Father God, Please forgive me of my sins. I've just heard the message today, and, and I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to make me a new creation. And if you were to do that, 
God will, will hear you and he will save you. Now listen, he will save you eternally. And those things that you used to do, you, you can't do them anymore. Or you can't comfortably do them. And you may come, you're going to come out of them because Jesus is in you. And the Bible says, if you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that you will be saved. For with the mouth, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For whoever calls upon the Lord, whoever believes in him, will not be put to shame. That's the word of God. If you've done that, then God has saved you today. I'm going to be right back as we after we worship a while.